I'm literally looking at myself in the mic. China is unfaithful for those who abuse I'm literally looking at myself in the mic. China is unfaithful for those who abuse I'm literally looking at myself in the mic. The is a not gambling. The lot is a tradition. It's an Italian tradition. Teacher. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of It's Time to Rewind, a podcast stuck in its own time loop right along with the movies we discuss. In this season, we're taking a look at Triangle Time time Loop. I am your host, Bubba Wheat, from Flights, Tights, and Movie Nights, and in this episode, we're discussing the first loop in Time Loop that starts at 4 minutes and 36 seconds, with a small pig appearing in the lab, and ends at 21 minutes and 28 seconds, with Ricky's father pushing him into the machine. Once again, joining me is Brian Boucher from Top Gun Minute. How are you doing today? I am well. I am well. All right. Well, we already discussed uh, you know, your thoughts about the, the movie as a whole, so let's go ahead and jump straight into this this first loop, because you know, we got a lot to cover here in this first loop, because it sets up a lot of different things. So this this starts out with this uh, this little pig, um, you know, appearing seemingly out of nowhere. I can't tell if it's like an actual Vietnamese potbelly pig, you know, the the type that they use as pets, or if it's just a like a, a standard like farm piglet. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure either, but it's 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 cute. It's <laughs> a very very cute little pig. At points in my life, I thought, oh, having a little potbelly pig for a pet would be pretty cool <laughs> you know? so, yeah yeah my uh, my wife has also at at various points brought up the the idea of looking up a uh a potbelly pig for a pet as well with a you know a lot of uh, uh luckily and neither one of us uh have a problem with popping our peas <laughs> with <laughs> with those sentences right yeah. Uh, at least hopefully not um and they you know the father says that the 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 piglet's name is chicha right and i did i was curious if that meant something in italian but i i couldn't find anything mm. you know in, in spanish chicha means corn <laughs> but that's that's that was kind of the closest i could think i could find and unless it's spelled a a way that i was not spelling correctly yeah, as long as it doesn't spell bacon, <laughs> yeah, I guess we're good. <laughs> you know, very early on, right here in this moment, and uh, you know that the dad asks Ricky to walk away, to put the pig back, the piglet back in the paddock, and then we see it's you know a very very quick shot as he's walking out the door. We see the father; he has you know a surprised expression, and then goes quickly off screen yeah yeah do you remember if you noticed that that moment the first time you watched it yeah i did and and the reason why is because i am a very big fan of time loop movies you know like groundhog day lived i repeat lived i repeat yeah that those types of movies back to the future is my favorite uh time travel movie you know and I'm, i'm you know especially back to the future you know where they have the all the payoffs in it and yeah, i think the- back to the future too is is really where they have the almost the the more the the closer to the time loop elements uh, since there are like two marty's in right. the scene and then in the second film right 
Yeah, but you know, so I'm watching this and I'm like, my my brain is just programmed to when I'm watching a time travel movie or a time loop movie to just focus in on every single thing that you see because there's probably going to be some type of fit payoff from it later mm-hmm. on. Yeah. So I did catch that little a little reaction shot uh, the first time I did see it. Yeah, we have, we are going to be discussing spoilers here. So that is the moment where the father sees, uh, I, I believe it would be Ricky 2, uh, mm-hmm. either Ricky 2 or Ricky 3. Okay. Uh, coming through the time, uh, the the time portal, and so he's running off to deal with the with future Ricky, which of course we don't see any of that. Instead, we get this, you know, this establishing shot of this gorgeous Italian village of uh, Cancellara in <clears throat> in the province of uh, Basilicata in Italy, and just this gorgeous little village that's where basically like all the buildings are kind of snacked, stacked on top of each other, almost like a, a miniature Minas Tirith from Lord of the Rings. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of Lord of the Rings or um, like uh, Hogwarts mm-hmm. and Harry Potter, you know, just you know, all the mountains and the hillside around the, the building, you know, it around this village is it's beautiful. Yeah, and and all the the buildings in the vill, all the houses in the bill in the village, are all basically kind of connected to each other, and it's so it's like you have this this mass of of buildings and roads, and then it's just surrounded by countryside and like outside of the this mass of houses, there's like practically nothing except for just a few small scattered houses and and farms. It's a gorgeous looking village and, and establishing shot. And then we get Sam heading over to the, the paddock where he sees, where he sees another chicha, which at this point he doesn't think that it's another chicha. He thinks that he's seen the one and only chicha pig, piglet. And he thinks that his father, you know, that this is some other pig that just happens to look like chicha. Yeah. And because the one he's holding in his hand, Chicha, is uh has a a collar or some kind of ribbon around yeah, its ribbon. neck, and the the one in the paddock does not. Yeah, and then of course you know we get another instance of slight foreshadowing because he turns around and he sees his like just the back of his father running off, and uh, and again this is I believe this is when the father was trying to prove to himself that that the time machine worked and you know he's seeing the one the one ricky and then he's going to check to make sure that the other ricky is still there so that's like this his confirmation that there are two are actually two rickies at this point in the in the future loop yeah if we get this uh you know very quick scene of of him being scared of the scarecrow uh, for a moment and, and again <laughs> setting up the scarecrow as it plays a uh, an important part later in the film right and then he comes back and talks to his dad and at this point you know you can see that you can tell i think even the first time watching it that that the mood of the father is very different and at this point he is already 
talked with the with a future Ricky and everything that he's doing right now for the most part is just trying to get rid of Ricky one so that he can deal with the future Rickies. Yeah. And we get another moment of the, the machine flickering off. Uh, although again, we do kind of get a more or less clear view of the machine shortly afterwards. And it is kind of out in the open. So I, again, I, I don't remember if that's another instance of like a Ricky of either Ricky 3 or 4 coming through the time portal. But it seems like it goes pretty quickly. I don't think that every time that the machine shuts off is is another like uh, time loop instance. There's just a, a few of them. I think it's very subtle. But you can see like the father kind of messing with Chicha as the piglet is in this like little plastic tub. And it doesn't seem like anything the first time you're watching it, but after you've seen the movie, you realize that what he's doing is he's actually looking at Chicha's collar to to see the the lucky numbers written right. on the inside of that ribbon. Yep. Which uh, again, that that sets up this whole lottery subplot. <laughs> I think it's another slight failing of the movie because it's it is kind of what everybody thinks of whenever they whenever you involve time to travel i mean it's it was the whole reason for back to the future too was basically that right just going back in time and, and using your future knowledge to make yourself money right but in this film it, it doesn't really have a payoff it, it's just it just kind of exists in the background yeah i, I mean like like you said, it's it's kind of a thing. You know, what would you do if you go if you go back in time? You know, just a week or two weeks or you know whenever. You know, like that's a big thing that people think about is, oh, I'll just get this week's lottery numbers and go back and buy a ticket. You know, that way I can be rich at the, you know, at this point in time. But in here, he's talking about it's almost a, you know, it came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, the the numbers like. Yeah, he's like, here, I've got some lucky numbers. Why don't you go play yeah. them for me? Yeah, and he says it, it's, you know, he's like, Ricky, th- saying, why are you thinking about the lottery right now? We're we're in the middle of something. He wants, he says, he wants to check the the machine and the stuff by himself. He wants to be alone, mm-hmm. and and this is his way of getting him out of the the workshop. Yeah, and. It's like it's like doing double duty. It's it's getting Ricky one out of the workshop for you know an hour or so, and but again this like secondary plot because I I think it's hard to read from from the film because it focuses so much on on the time loop mechanics, but I think that there's like a secondary plot where uh risking losing funding I, I believe that's what the you know the french therapist is is there to find out whether or not he's crazy or if his work has some merit which i think that's tied to whether or not they continue to get funding and so i think that this lotto ploy is also just a, a secondary thing in order to fund their research right yeah but I don't think that that concept is explained very well. I, I think it's just 
kind of shoved under the rug and, and just kind of shoved into this movie. Yeah. And, and I like how it, the way his, you know, he convinces him to do it because he says it's tradition. It's, it's an mm-hmm. Italian tradition. So it's like everybody plays the lottery. So it's just, yeah. you know, that's his way of like, oh, okay, well, yeah, you're right. It, that's what we do. So let's do that. And I did actually do a little bit of research into the Italian lottery since he did say it's an Italian tradition. And the the first Italian lottery where tickets were purchased for money is often said to take place in Florence in 1530. Wow. And the way that these lotteries worked, it was fairly straightforward. They actually had these two large urns. And in one urn, they have you know, the slips with either the person's name or some identifiable motto that they would put into that urn. And then in the other urn, they would put a corresponding, either a blank slip or a uh, patientia, which means patience. And they would have the, you know, a few, um, you know, a, a much smaller number of slips that had the word presio for prize. And then they would also list what the specific prize would be. And so they would have these two urns that were filled with these slips. And the tickets were drawn simultaneously from both urns. So they would pick, you know, one one slip with the name and then one slip from basically the, pl- the prize urn. From the information that I saw, the draw could last up to 11 days for some you know, of the bigger events because they have to pick out every single slip of paper and in the urns. Oh, wow. Uh, to make sure that they're down, that they don't miss any prize. Huh. That's interesting. And then it's, you know, the, the more modern lotto, the Italian lotto, the like uh, super en lotto started in uh, 1997. In this version, you know, they they have several different local lotteries that uh, take place in, in different cities. And then the, the Super Lotto, they actually pull, like, the, the first number from each of the biggest, like, the five biggest cities. Mm-hmm. And so you can play, like, the local lotto, or you can play the, the Super Lotto. And it's the... They pick five numbers between one and ninety, and it's it's basically you know the same as the the, the typical U.S. lotto. Where um, I mean, I, I didn't look it up to see if they have like the the ping the ping pong balls, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if if that's basically what they what they do with that. Mm. Uh, and so you know the the father finally gets. Uh, convinces Ricky to leave and they have this discussion about his Vespa (laughs) that he restored, you know, this classic Vespa. So do you know anything about Vespas? Uh, Yeah, I looked it up. Uh, I think it said it it was made in uh, in like the 1940, I believe. Yeah, it it was during World War II. The first one was made in like 44 or 45. The, The company was actually... Uh, fully established in 1946. Yeah, and uh, I know you you can watch many documentaries or movies that are in you know about Italy or 
you know, and, and Italians and they're everywhere. You know, it's like a, a major mode of transportation. Hmm. So. And the, the first, you know, the first Vespa, it, uh, they said it was actually made from spare aircraft parts that were actual landing pieces and like landing gears from Mussolini's airplanes. And it was designed mm -hmm. by Corradino Descanio. And uh, because of the, the unique design and especially how the front handlebars looked, uh, as well as its sound, they they thought that it sounded like a wasp. And so they named it the Italian word for wasp, which is Vespa. Huh. And so we get a Vespa journey into the village and, you know, some more establishing shots as, as well as uh, some more credits coming up uh, over his journey. And we get a few more you know, shots of things like the, the horse, which comes into play a little bit later. I feel like I have a false memory, <laughs> you know, like one of those Mandela effects where... After I hadn't seen this movie for a few months, I had somehow gotten this false memory that at one point in time in the movie, Ricky actually is riding the horse at some point, which I oh. I don't believe that happens. No, I don't think so. Yeah, which I haven't. I I watched it the one time a couple months ago. I haven't watched it since. I mean, I watched this these clips that you sent me, hmm. but I I didn't rewatch the movie again. So I I don't believe there's a horse, uh, him riding it, but. Yeah, I, the the horse it it just startles him again later in the movie, and and that's what causes his him getting hit by this you know this car that we see that you know that this is another moment where the film doesn't show us everything because we see the car and he almost gets you know the the car stops quickly mm. and then he just kind of barely looks back and we don't really see it. And he, you know, he says, sorry. Mm. And that's actually the car with the, the French doctor, Dr. Bijou. Right. And, um, you know, she stopped because she actually hit future Ricky. Right. Uh, but of course, you know, we don't, the movie isn't ready to show us that yet. Right. Uh, so instead, and there is this moment, it has, like, right before the, the title card comes up, it's, we see the glitching, and it, the glitching does back up a couple seconds uh -huh. uh, in order to show that, you know, this movie called Time Loop is going to have some time travel in it. Yeah, I, which I I thought when I first watched it, and like I said earlier about trying to pay attention to every single thing, well, I noticed that little glitch where, you know, it backed up, and I thought, whoa, but is this a different, another time loop? You know, it's just a different version of Ricky that we're seeing drive into town. You know, so I was I was really trying to pay attention to that. <laughs> yeah, we get Ricky coming into town, and we get him, you know, talking to Olivia, his not yet girlfriend. <laughs> and this this is another you know Italian actress, and she, I th I think she works well enough. Uh, it, She's not really given a whole lot to do. She's just kind of there to interact with Sam a couple times. Yeah, she seemed very smitten with him. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that worked pretty well. And then we get this phone call, this uh, this video call that he thinks it's with his dad. And of course, we find out later that that's actually 
Ricky too trying to call him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then his dad quickly interferes and he's like, ah, oh, no, just, I'm just playing around. <laughs> Take care of my Vespa. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and I will say, I, I'm pretty sure I remember this moment in the, uh, the first time I watched this film. And that one was not like, um, I didn't think, I mean, I thought that was weird, but I didn't think that that phone call specifically involved future Rickies yet. Right. Yeah, I was the same way. And I also think it's funny that, you know, Ricky says to Olivia's brother, nice hat. <laughs> because yeah. the this is the, the hat that Ricky Four will eventually be wearing. Yeah. And that's another notice, detail that I didn't even notice until starting to look, look at it more into this, uh, you know, digging into this specific loop. Mm. Uh, and then after that, we have Ricky, you know, we get this shot of this uh, guy playing guitar very nicely, and we have uh, Dr. Bijou, which she has not been introduced yet, sitting down, just taking notes in her journal. And Ricky parks the Vespa and takes a brief video of uh, this guitarist, and his name is Antonio Agrusta, and he just seems like a, a local musician. Uh, that they pulled for this movie to, to play guitar. He doesn't really have a whole lot of credits outside of like a, a YouTube channel where he has uh, himself and, and his band playing gigs. Yeah, he's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I liked how that at the, the end of the scene where he's uh, driving away on his Vespa and you see Olivia from inside the restaurant or little shop that they're in and that's where it starts and you you see her face as he's driving by and you know she's got this big huge smile mm-hmm. you know and then it cuts to the the guy on the guitar i, I thought that was a really cool uh transition also yeah I, yeah i like that as well and and like you said you know the actress playing olivia she really in such a short period of time really does show that she's smitten with this guy who hasn't who's not ready who's not willing to call her his girlfriend yet right you know he goes into this uh i guess a multi-purpose coffee house um i I haven't haven't actually thought about it you know if there's anything else you know we see a bunch of jars on this glass shelf and i'm guessing it is mostly just a coffee house but this is also where you go to turn in your lottery numbers. Mm-hmm. And then and this is where we get this description of La Smorfia. And this is this, this book that it's, um, it's, he calls it this ne- Neapolitan tradition. And this is something that's, that's used kind of almost like in, in America with horoscopes. It's kind of similar to that, mm-hmm. but it's, where they analyze dreams in order to convert their dreams into numbers to play in the lotto. And this is something that's popular across Italy. And many people use this method in order to, to figure out what numbers to play. Mm. And, you know, every number one through 90 has at least one there. I think they're 
might be multiple interpretations depending on what what version of the book you're looking at. To me, that seems like it's a pretty thick book. So I'm I'm guessing that for each of these, it it probably has, it probably goes into the reasons why this is matched to this specific number. Yeah, like like a different chapter for every number. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, the name Lasmorphia, it actually comes from the the Greek god of dreams, Morpheus. And we get to see very clearly the the actual lucky numbers. And the, the numbers that he chose are 4, 23, 20, 9, and 53. And uh, Mario, the shopkeeper, he, he starts to, to go through them. And, you know, the, the first number, 4, it corresponds to pig. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, you know, uh, Ricky's like, a pig did it show up in our lab yesterday. And I thought that was interesting that he said yesterday because it did throw me off in, on the timeline of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. Because I thought that he was referring to the pig that showed up in the lab. And, but that was just, that wasn't yesterday. That was just... Yeah, 40, 30 minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought maybe he was talking about the original Chicha. And maybe like the original Chicha also showed up yesterday in the lab, <laughs> right? Which that would that would be kind of a, a weird occurrence. But I kind of think that maybe that was just like a you know a mistake, right? In, in the film, yeah. Maybe they shot this part first, and when they were still trying to figure out the timeline part, and then so that was what was in the script, and then they just didn't catch it when they edited it together. Yeah, because you know we haven't talked to this talked about this yet, but the the time loop um, sends him back in time. I believe it was sixty five minutes, so like just over an hour. Right. So basically, this entire film takes place over the course of. Well, I, we see it at the end, so maybe yeah. I'll, I'll wait to to say exactly when. But I I think like less than an hour and a half. Yeah. But it, it's kind of hard to tell because it's it starts out it's pretty daylight and then at the end it is just turning nighttime. Yeah, it's it's pretty dark by the yeah. the end of the day. But I, I I might look into it a bit later to, to see what time sundown would be. But I I think that it's not too much of a stretch to think that the the way they have the time that it actually lines up with you know it they would be light you know towards the end of the day at at the start of you know this hour and a half and mm-hmm. then it would be dark by the end of it right um and then you know the the second number 23 is uh, la la idiota or <laughs> the idiot and the you know the the page that I looked up. It's it just uh, mentions that it's stupid <laughs> uh, for that number. And then before he gets to the rest of the numbers, Ricky hears the the Vespa engine running outside and and runs off to see it it drive off apparently stolen. And again, we don't see who's actually driving the Vespa, but uh, I know for sure whenever I first watched this movie that. 
my immediate thought was that's future Ricky driving off in that Vespa. Yes. Yeah. Same here. I mean, you you have a movie called Time Loop. I think it's it's pretty pretty clear the direction that they're going. It's not just going to be some random person stealing his Vespa. Right. And, and that that was even something that I, I might get into it a little bit later. But I started getting a little frustrated. Like if, I, I'd say, like by the third loop, where you know, in the third loop, he still thinks that it's somebody else that stole his Vespa. Right. Yeah, when, and especially when he, I believe at that point there's he sees himself he sees the, himself stealing the Vespa and he sees himself coming out of the the little shop at the same time and you know who else would be stealing his Vespa at the, you know it's obvious it's going to be him yeah and and it's not really until he becomes Ricky Four that he finally has everything put all together and and knows what's going on yeah. Uh, but so we don't get to hear what the rest of the, the, these lucky numbers mean, but I did look them up, uh, cause there is like a, an Italian lotto, um, like information page. And so the other numbers, uh, number 20, it's meaning is party. That doesn't really make sense in the context of this film. Right. And nine, uh, corresponds to Pharaoh, which is a, a litter of pigs, which, <laughs> I mean, I guess in a stretch you can consider, you know, the fact that there's two chitches that's, uh, that makes up a very small litter of pigs. <laughs> and 53 is old man, which huh. that could refer to the father. Right. But I almost think that it, it could kind of be tied to the movie itself because you know it starts with the pig and then the the idiot ricky Mm -hmm. and then this whole movie is considered this party that happens (laughs) because i mean you could even say it's it's almost like a party of rickies because you have four (laughs) rickies running around this village all at the same time right and maybe it's a stretch but you could call them kind of a, a litter of pigs (laughs) <laughs> that it goes from one pig to these four Rickies, and then it ends in the the old man, his father. Right. But yeah. And then afterwards, you know, the the Vespa runs off, and and he yells, and he tries to to call his father, but the line is busy. And I do think that the timing works out that this is when I, I think Ricky three is calling his father, and he's saying. Yeah, I'm looking at myself right now. Right. Yeah, because he's, he's just off camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get the the audience's introduction to Doctor Bijou, or Dijou, mm-hmm. and she says that she knows Ricky's father, and most importantly, knows that he's not crazy. Right. And I, I think that's that's important because, you know, from her perspective, she just had a conversation with. Uh, with Ricky four and he let her know that, you know, she's about to see multiple Rickies and she did just see multiple Rickies. Right. And so now she's walking up to Ricky number one, which I'm, I'm not sure if she, she knows that this is the first Ricky, but she knows that it's a, you know, an earlier version of Ricky. Um, mm-hmm. but 
she does know that he's not crazy because this is like the confirmation that this actually works and you know she's willing to help him and give him a ride home since you know quote unquote somebody stole his vespa right and then we just get a little bit of conversation between them you know she talks about knowing his father's research i think it's funny on on the car ride that she asks if his father if ricky thinks his father's going to be upset about the vespa being stolen and ricky says I'm not afraid that he'll be upset. I'm afraid that he'll be mad. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's that's kind of a, you know, a funny turn of phrase that for me I don't really see the difference between those two words that much. Right, yeah, same here. And then we get this I think this is really the first time in the movie that we get any sort of discussion about what they're trying to accomplish where their uh Dr. Diju mentions the ether and Tesla. Uh-huh. And so I did look up a little bit of, about that and Tesla had this belief that the earth has this like fluid electrical charges running beneath the surface that you know that's also known as ether and that he that he thought that there was a way that you could tap into this this ether that would create basically uh, limitless energy. Right. Uh, have you heard about um, that theory, Dell? A little bit, yes. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. Although it's it's basically kind of fallen out of favor that in in more modern phys- physics that mm-hmm. people don't really believe that anymore. And then, you know, after this conversation, Ricky heads back into the lab. And we get to see the, the Scarecrow again, which I think looks absolutely nothing like Ricky's father. Right. Which I, I'm glad they that they do kind of call that out at, at some point. Uh, and Ricky walks in, and I, I think it's interesting that we do get this close-up of the his shirt, his like plaid shirt draped over the chair mm-hmm. and he doesn't we don't really comment on it and i think it's also kind of hard to see so yeah. if you're first watching it you don't, might not realize the implication but that's like where i, I think ricky three changes out of the plaid shirt into the the gray t-shirt right yeah. and I also, I also like when they when he's walking up to the to the garage uh the east he goes and knocks on the door, which I thought was weird because when you just walk in, but the lights flicker, you know, and he notices it. Mm-hmm. And then he goes over and just opens the door. Yeah. You know, and it, it comes into play later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get this, our first look of this, uh, this diagram, which <laughs> basically, you know, explains the, the time travel and, and we have this, you know, nicely drawn, um, which at this point, I believe the time would be like 6.53 mm-hmm. p.m., where it's just before the the nicely drawn Ricky 1 is about to go back 65 minutes and become Ricky 2. And yeah. then we have Ricky's crudely drawn, um, you know, pig in red. Mm-hmm. That so we can see that the time starts at five thirty, 
and then ends at I think seven twenty five. Mm-hmm. So two hour, yeah. two hours. Yeah, yeah. I, I like how they used the. It's kind of the the Doc Brown diagram, you know, from Back to the Future <laughs> Two. You know, so when Doc is explaining to Marty how yeah. time travel works and goes into tangents and. Yeah, I'm stuff. sorry for the crudeness of the models. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, and and we do also see like the little tombstone right before the the 725 mm-hmm. and and we have the you know the the drawing of the vespa in there as well you know ricky two to three is in green mm-hmm. and of course the the only thing missing because i don't he never draws this is uh going from ricky three to four because it's yeah. by the time he gets to the his fourth loop then he's basically fully understanding of the the entire time loop and he's just more or less running on autopilot on that point point. Mm-hmm. and again i i think and i'll probably get into it whenever i'm discussing that specific loop in detail but that at that point again you know he no longer has free will because he has already seen the events happen three times and so if there was like any amount of free will left, like it by the time he's in the fourth loop, I think it it is basically him just running on autopilot because he's doing what he knows has already happened and what has to be done. Right. I really enjoy that concept of time travel. Where again it it's fate. It's this is something that was destined to happen because we have these events because you know the things that that Ricky that this first Ricky has done he would not have done had future Ricky not intervened right and so it's it's really hard to wrap your head around like what what you're able to do whenever it's like something that's already happened uh-huh because it, it's almost like all of this has already happened or it's something that is destined to happen because there's no way because there's no causality because it it cause everything causes itself right and that that's just it, it's it's like one of those it eliminates the paradox situation because everything that is going to happen has already happened and it will already happen but it also causes into question the causality like what caused all of this to happen yeah i would agree is there anything else that like is is that too much to wrap your head around like do you have any thoughts about this like this fatalistic concept of time travel um well i mean it's it's like you know, it has to it has to have already happened, and like I said, when he gets to you know Ricky three and Ricky four, it's almost like the Vanilla Sky, of, you know, or the butterfly effect mm-hmm. type thing. If you know, if he doesn't get to a certain point and do this certain thing, then Ricky one is going to do something else, and it's going to screw everything up. So he's really on point about what he needs to do to keep it all on track, or you know, it's going to cause a paradox in which it does not, you know, which 
I thought was really, really cool. I, I really liked that fact. You know, this scene ends with a, another one of those expositional speeches by his father. And, and again, this, this is something where, you know, I've, I've watched it a few times and I still can't really tell you what he's talking about. You know, again, with his accents and what he's talking about, I, I kind of just tune this part out. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was just, and, you know, Ricky is trying to, it's like he's trying to talk to him, like he's asking him why he's, he's talking like this and stuff. And it's like he just, it's almost like he's not paying attention to Ricky. You know, he's just talking to himself, you know, and with Ricky being back there asking questions, it makes it, like I said, it's very much more confusing, you know, as to what he is really ranting about. And, and then, of course, with the the effect of the the machine with the the waviness and the the time del- the delays and the sound and the video, mm-hmm. yeah, it it makes it really hard to understand. But I do like how it transitions to where it's like, uh, where you're not behind the the. the yeah, it kind of jumps back and forth. Like sometimes yeah. it'll be behind the machine, so you get the time dilation, and then like it, you know, the first time it jumps that actually has like you know a half second of black screen before it the camera jumps to being in front of the the time machine um so we don't have the the time dilation effects and it is just hard to follow because of everything that the father is saying um it it is kind of interesting to think about this in, in terms of the movie because you know that the father is in a different place and it's almost like he's struggling with what he has to do because he knows that he has to get Ricky into this time machine because he he doesn't think that Ricky's going to do it on his own because it's something that's already happened and he's just trying to explain to Ricky one what's happening or what's Mm -hmm. going to happen but because Ricky and the audience hasn't gone through it yet, it it's it's just difficult to follow. Yeah, and I think even on multiple viewings, it's difficult to follow, and and I can't can't really explain it. And you know, and unfortunately, I didn't. I guess maybe I didn't give this enough time to on on my own in order to dig into it, and. Um, you know, see if I could pull anything useful or interesting about what he's going on about. Yeah. It, the only thing I, the only thing I could really compare it to is kind of like, um, <laughs> the force awakens when, uh, Kylo Ren is, well, he's when he's with Han Solo on the bridge and, you know, he's like, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I can do it, you know, type of thing. And it's, it's almost like this is what Kylo Ren would be thinking about in his head. You know, yeah, he's got to figure out a way to do it. So he's just going to ramble on. And then he finally gets him, pulls him close enough and then throws him through the loop into the machine. Because he knows if he doesn't do it, then it's going to cause a paradox. Mm-hmm. But he but he doesn't want to do it because he knows their consequences could be disastrous, you know, as Doc Brown would say. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I think that wraps up this first loop in Time Loop, and you know we we still got three more loops to go. 
but it's uh, I think it was interesting to to dive into this uh, you know this loop that sets up all the the future ones. And again, I'd like to thank you for joining me on on these first two episodes of of this uh, second portion of this recursion season. And uh, once again, if you take a moment to let everybody know where they can find you online. Sure. Um, well, first off, thank you, Bubba Wee, for having me. Uh, it's been always a pleasure talking to you. But yeah, you can find me uh, Top Gun Minute on all your favorite podcatchers and on Facebook at Top Gun Minute Pod and or on Twitter at Top Gun Minute Pod and Facebook at Top Gun Minute Listener School. And as always, I am Bubba Wheat, and you can find me on Twitter where I'm at Bubba Wheat. You can find this show, It's Time to Rewind, on Anchor.fm, as well as anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. And we also have a Facebook group, It's Time to Rewind, a time loop group, where you can join and discuss podcast episodes as they come out, as well as anything about time loop movies, TV shows, or if you yourself happen to be stuck in a time loop and... uh, we did have one person to, to, to claim that early on. And in, until next time. I'm literally looking at myself in my Time is unfaithful for those who abuse literally looking at myself in Time is unfaithful for those who abuse it. The lotto is not a gambling. The lotto is a tradition. It's an Italian tradition. Teacher?